Welcome to the Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast, uh, our special opening day, kind of a, I don't want to say a live react, but just a couple hours after the game ended. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Steve, did you catch Pirate Fever? I already had it. Yeah. We already, we, I've, I've been well diagnosed. I stuck the swab up my nose for Pirates Fever years ago, and it, it came back positive. Yeah, I I think I got a meeting tomorrow, but I think on Saturday I'm going to start to camp out for playoff tickets. So um, you okay. want you want me to get you one? You, yeah, I mean, I'm, you... I, it's it's very plausible that we'll be back in town by then. So uh, okay. yeah, I mean, or, or at least we'll be on the East Coast somewhere, so it'll be easier for me to get to Pittsburgh, even if that's not where we're at. Okay. So well, I will I will get you one. Um. We got a lot to talk about, but we cannot neglect uh, my favorite part of the week, uh, and that's Steve's safe space. Your turn on the couch. Okay, awesome. So, uh, anyway, I, I've been uh, I, I've been periodically building up to this over the, the the course of the past week or so, as I sort of see the pirates like setting this artificial negotiation deadline with Brian Reynolds for his contract extension as basically opening day. Um, I just, you know, it, it sounds like there's progress made, and that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear they're they're a lot closer in terms of uh, they've got a number that they agree on, uh, and and that's, that's great. You know, I, I'd like to see Brian Reynolds sign. I'd like to see him stay here. I love stability. I love the optics that keeping him would bring for the team that is so desperate for said optics. But that being said, um, I hate this idea of the artificial deadline. There, if, if, if any of these two parties backs away from this, uh, from, from as close as they are at this point, if either party backs away because there was an artificial, you know, arbitrary deadline that was set for opening day, I hope whoever that is just burns in the pits of hells. Steve? Uh, I absolutely was paying attention to that one. And you really, um, you got some opinions on that, don't you? I do, yeah. So I, um, I, I definitely heard you, and I definitely am here for you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the burns in the pit of hell would be a nice touch at the end of that. I, I thought of that about midway through. So, uh, except when I said it live, when I said it live, it, it came out as hells. So yeah. that was really that that really destroyed my my me driving the point home. You were going for some Samuel L. Jackson, uh, John Grisham movie vibes there, weren't yeah, you? It got there. I mean, it was uh, it started slow, and then I I built up emotionally there. It was, yeah, you know, but I am really actually fired up about it. I think it's it's an absolutely. I think it's absolutely ludicrous that anybody might walk away at this point. So um, whether or not, you know, there is a uh, is a major conceptual issue, I think it's ridiculous that anybody would walk away. Yeah, I just have one question for you about that. Um, what is a major conceptual issue? Well, that is a that's that's what the kids call a problem. Oh, Okay. A, a problem in in terms of what uh, what what some major verbiage that one party wants in the uh, is it, in in the contract is. Is this okay, like so? Is this like baseball's version of a, a conscious decoupling? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I it's possibly. I'm not really. Uh, 
Can't we just say I, it? I'm not really sure. Is, but um, is Hitchin, it might be along those lines. Is Hitchin the negotiations just like too old school or I mean it was just Yeah, yeah, I mean I think this is uh you know that that's very um that's that's very nineteen eighties of you uh, to say hitch of in the negotiations. We we have reached an it's it might even be too far gone to say that we've reached an impasse, you know, but now we have a majoral conception majoral Wow, man, I can't talk tonight. Major conceptual issue. You were able to squeeze out burn in the pits of hell, but now you're stumbling over. Hells. Hells. Hells is what it came out as. So, yeah. <laughs> so, here, here's my real thoughts on it. Uh, that almost has to be that Reynolds wants a no-trade clause, right? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. The, the only other one I could possibly see is an opt-out. And, and yeah, I am... possibly an opt out if the pirates like front loaded the contract. Like, so if they're paying him like you know money up front for like what he would get paid on the back end, uh, and and then he wants an opt out included in there, I could also see that as being potentially a, a, an issue. I'm I'm vehemently opposed to opt outs. I, I really loathe them. Uh, but I, I'd be fine with a some type of no trade clause in there. Yeah, and I, I I don't know if a no trade clause is great business for the pirates. If if this rebuild ends up going, you know, the way of, uh, you know, you know, it just turns upside down. You know, the the pirates aren't going to be able to, you know, I mean, financially they're really going to be in a hard spot if they're sitting with him, you know, paying him twenty five million dollars, you know, while he's on a really bad team for for the rest of his career. Um, but that being said, I mean, I don't, I'm not opposed to like them including some kind of like limited no trade in the contract, you know, like, I, I mean, maybe he selects 10 teams, you know, maybe he selects 15 teams that he doesn't want to be traded to. I, I have no problem with him saying that he doesn't want to go to Cincinnati. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into that in a minute or two, but hoy, does that team look terrible? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um... But yes, we, we there's a time and a place for that. And that time is now. So Oh good. Uh it was a I thought it was a pretty entertaining game. I was able to watch some of it while I was making dinner and uh some while I was half paying attention to my kids and um I thought there were some really positive notes to take out of it, with a couple caveats that one game is a very small sample size. Sure. It's as small as you can get, I believe. And the second is that the Reds are awful. Yeah. Wow. With, yeah. With no Joey Votto, who himself is kind of a shell, and no Nick Senzel, who himself is kind of a semi-busted prospect, this team is garbage. But uh, you can only play the games that are in front of you. And I thought that there were three guys that I singled out that I kind of wanted to do a little bit of rapid fire with you. Um, maybe you have some guys too. But uh, Dario Moretta, who was the okay. trade for uh, Kevin Newman, I liked it at the time. Uh, I had done some reading on him at the time of the trade, and he got sent down for being uh, a hot mess. And then when he got recalled in June or July, he had a really solid rest of the year. And... Um, he seemed to me like he had a lot of potential. And I think we saw the whole 
Moretta experience today, uh, where you walk the first two batters, but then you come back with a key strikeout, and you got a lot of fire coming off the mound, and even after he got uh, pulled for Zastrzynski, he had a lot of fire in the dugout, so I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you on that. I think he's um, he was a little erratic. I think that yep. would be how I would describe his performance. And I think um, he's the kind of guy that if he ever if he if he is solid and he does make it and he ends up being like playing an important role in the Pirates bullpen, he's going to be a guy that other teams are going to think is just kind of a jerk. But you're going to love having him on your team. You know what I mean? Like how fiery he is and how like cocky he is, like coming off the field, like making money signs like that was like. (laughs) You know, you know, dollar bills. Like, I mean, that's like, you know, that's supreme level of cocky. And and, yes. and he should just be happy that he never has to step foot in a batter's box ever at this <laughs> point. But I, I just, I love, I love a good cocky player when they're on the team that I root for. I hate them when they're not, but I love them on my team. And I think he might be that dude. Yeah. Uh, if he can just, you know, stay stable. Um, as far as stuff goes, I mean, you know, I, I liked the, um, you know, I, I like the breaking ball. Um, that, I mean, when he when he was locating it, it, it was it was pretty tough. Uh, it really seems like that's his favorite pitch. Like that's he's pitching off of that. You know, and 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 supplementing it with the fastball. But I, he, he, I could see him being effective. I could see him being effective after yep. one quick showing. Yes. Yeah. I, so I, I I'm I'm very uh, encouraged by that. Uh, second guy I want to talk about is Jiwon Bay. This is a guy that I was kind of pumping his tires a little bit in the offseason. Um, I wanted him on the team for his potential for getting on base and his stolen base capacity. And we saw both of those things in play today. Um, two for three with a walk and two stolen bases while uh, playing both second base and center field. And I am very encouraged by what I see. And that's a guy that, uh, you know, we got to separate the art from the artist. Um, but that's a guy that I want to see more of on the baseball field. Yeah, I agree with you on that. He's a, an exciting player. Uh, I think I thought on the the TV broadcast today they uh, they they compared him to Brett Butler of Los Angeles Dodgers fame, and hmm. uh, I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, like he's um, the his bunt was a thing of beauty. Like just straight up like pounded it into the dirt and like you know it ended up being like a little pop fly to like the middle of the infield uh, i i thought he actually did pop it up it went you know he he, he pounded so hard um but yeah he's um I, I i think that with the rule changes something that you and i hadn't really considered or talked about in the off season was how that's going to impact the running game and I do think there's going to be more room for stolen bases this season. Mm-hmm. And I do think that he's going to be the primary beneficiary of that on the Pirates roster. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, and then the last guy I wanted to touch on is a guy that lived up to his name. And that's Colin Holderman, who came in in the eighth and recorded a hold, which is um, easily my least favorite and I think most useless baseball stat. But he lived up to his name. And if the Pirates' bullpen is going to be anything, they have to get David Bednar back to being dominant, and he was pretty good today. Uh, 
and they also have to make sure that they have a good seventh and eighth inning bridge and will crow did not have the best spring training but it is spring training but if you could get colin holderman to be a reliable seventh and maybe share some eighth inning setup duties uh, that's going to go a long way this year yeah i agree with you on that and he's got a big arm he's got a big live arm um and i mean he's uh you know, he seems to locate well. He's got good control. You know, he's got, I, I believe he has three pitches. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I haven't seen a ton of him play, but, you know, he's somebody I'm really looking forward to developing. And I, I think he could end up being an absolute steal um, from the, uh, the, the the Vogelback trade. Um, yeah, I, I, I think over time this season, we're going to talk a lot about the bullpen and how it could be completely remade by the time the season is over. But I do think that he's going to be a mainstay. And, I, you know, I, when Bednar is inevitably traded, I, I think that, you know, he has the potential to be the reason why he is expendable. Do you have some other uh, just general observations about today? Um, I mean, Mitch Keller, uh, I thought he, um, I thought he did some good things. I thought he was, uh, um, I, I thought, I, you know, I, I thought he was on course to maybe being a little bit lucky today and getting through five innings and only allowing two runs. And then in one single pitch on a, on an 0-2 count, he went from being like completely fortunate to being like unfortunate, you know? So... Um, I thought he was, I thought he was good today. I don't think he was elite. Um, you know, I, I, but I mean, nobody expected him to be, even though he is the ace of the, of the staff. But I, I thought he was, uh, I thought his stuff played well. I thought there were times where, um, you know, he looked almost unhittable. And then there were times where his, just his control was off of, of some of his secondary pitches. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there was definitely enough to be encouraged about. He wasn't efficient, but, um, you know, everyone's still sort of building up a little bit. And uh, I I am pretty uh, bullish on Keller this year. I think he's going to be a very solid number three starter, which sounds like that's damning with faint praise, but there's, no. there's a ton of inherent value in that, uh, sure. especially considering where he was two years ago or even halfway through last year so um yeah i mean it, that's that's how i I'm, I'm glad to see that they got off on the right foot i think that's important for a lot of reasons i thought the vibes were immaculate around mccutcheon i can't even yep. believe can't even imagine what it's going to look like when he comes to the plate next friday sure for the home opener and i i did a little research and this is further proof that uh, memory is a hell of a thing. You know, we were talking last week. I was like, oh, man, I cannot remember the last time the Pirates had a Friday home opener. It always is like, in my mind, Sunday or, or Monday. Or, excuse me, Monday or Tuesday. But it was all the way back in the year 2017 that the Pirates had a Friday oh. home opener. And I absolutely do not remember that. But I think the place that is going to... Uh, that, that was a year that, going into the 2017 season, I, I, that was that was kind of a year that we, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we, we were coming off a year that we really wanted to forget very, very quickly. <laughs> and I think we were also very concerned about the direction of the franchise at that point. So... Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, but, so they, they still got a 
bunch of games until we get to next Friday, uh, including two mm-hmm. more, two more, or excuse me, yeah, two more against these abysmal Reds, uh, and then they go to Boston, and Boston does not appear to look good this year. No, they don't. Um, I, I mean, I think that they're going to struggle as well too. I actually think that the Pirates might be the better team there. Um, you know, in spite of them having, you know, a bunch of no-name players, you know, or whatever the hell they said about them in the broadcast last season. Yeah. Um, you know, but, I, I, you know, I like I said, I think that they're in a, I think the Pirates are in a better spot than the, the Red Sox are at the moment. You know, not just because I think their system's in, you know, uh, in line with puking out a bunch of really good um, players that are going to make the team better in the short run and the long run. Uh, but I, I just, you know, like I said, I, I'm just not not a fan of where the Red Sox are right now. So uh, earlier today, I put out a tweet for our 2023 win predictions and just want to kind of reiterate it on the pod here. Uh, you had them at 73, which is pretty on on par with what I've been seeing uh, most people say. Uh, I've seen a lot of in the 70 to 75 range. But you know me, Professor Positive. Uh, I I like this mm. team. I like this team for seventy eight, and okay. I want to put forth a, a statement or segment here and call it Schrodinger's Pirates. And I think the Pirates are both going to be bad in the sense that they're not going to have a winning season, but I also think they're going to be good in the fact that. I see a lot of young talent coming up, and I think this is going to be a pretty exciting team. And I think the team we see in July is going to be drastically different than the team we mm-hmm. see here on March 30th. And I really, truly believe that just by the law of averages, they're going to start to pop out talent, both on the major league roster, but also guys coming up from the minors that are really going to spur this team on to what I believe is going to be a playoff team in 2024. So Yeah, and and I think every win that they get before Endy arrives should be seen as almost having additional value because if they do get hot and they do start well, um, you know, which I mean, again, looking at their schedule, the first five games, I mean, they have a, a, a chance of being, you know, you know, certainly heading into that home opener with a winning record. Um, you know, if Andy, you know, every t- every game that they win that he's not there is is once, you know, that's it's almost winning with with like uh, I'm trying to think of a good way of phrasing this, but, you know, it's almost like a borrowed win or something like that. Smoke you know what and, I mean? Like it's, smoke and mirrors. N- well, smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know if I would say smoke and mirrors, I, I but I, I think it's just it. it the wins are going to be even more valuable because they, sh- like you were saying, they should start stacking wins once some of that talent arrives, and particularly Endy. I think he's going to be the big difference maker this year that arrives um, from the the get go. He's going to make this team considerably better. I, I mean, so every win, if they if they're somehow already over five, still over five hundred when he gets up here, I, I mean, I think that really bodes well, not just for you know next year, but I think even this year could be a lot more interesting than I certainly think it's going to be. 
Um, but I agree with your assessment, though. I think that they are going to be, at times, a bad team, and I think that they are, at times, going to be a good team. And I think that there are good team aspects already online, but I think there are some issues. Like, you know, I, I think the outfield might start looking pretty shaky here soon. Um, you know, I, I mean, again, I don't want to make any assessments after just one game, but... Um, you know, Swinsky looked real rough against the fastball. Don't get me wrong. It was an elite fastball. But, um, you know, and, and uh, Smith and Jigba, I mean, he, you know, which I'm, I'm grateful for the broadcast because I actually know how to pronounce his last name now. You can tell that I didn't watch the, the Penn State-Ohio State game this past year. So, <laughs> um, you know, so he's, um, you know, he turned on one sick inside like 102 mile an hour fastball. Um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, you know, he, he didn't look, you know, great either, you know? So, I mean, again, it's just one game doesn't mean much, but at the same time, you know, like that's, that's an area where I'm, I, you know, I've got some concerns at this point. Yeah. I mean, there, it could very well. And again, the reds are garbage and yep. maybe we can take like a couple of minutes of schadenfreude here and take a big crap on the reds, but um, you know, the bullpen could easily go sideways on the Pirates, too. Uh, sure, sure. Very easily. But the thing is about the bull, bullpen, you know, looking at AAA, you know, we were talking about Andy, and, and obviously everyone knows about Mike Burrows and uh, Quinn Priester will eventually probably get a look here, too. But th- there's enough arms in that bullpen that they have, like, fungible guys that they can call up for you know spot times in the bullpen and things like that i mean you can't lose a key guy for for months or anything like that but there's arms down there that are not cringeworthy uh that i wouldn't mind them seeing bring up every once in a while or even rotate some arms in and out so you're not burning people out like you did last year um you know send a guy down if he has options and then bring a guy up you know just just kind of operate that shuttle for a little bit so, but I don't want to go I don't want to go too far into the weeds on this, but I do think that by the end of the season we're going to see at least two guys that are currently in AAA that are going to establish themselves as members of this bullpen going forward. I think it's going to happen. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't like, think that's there's, there's some good stuff. I don't think that's a ridiculous statement at all. It might be 3 even. You know, I and, and mean Yuri De Los Santos down there and I, yeah. I I'm I'm high, I'm high on him. So um, you know, even if he did struggle so far, but uh, I mean, he'll be fine. So, yeah, I think that is a little bit of an indictment on him that he's not up here. Uh, that's, that's not a good sign in my mind. No, no. But I mean, I, I still think maybe he's got some things to work out. I mean, he struggled at times last year too, but I, I do think he'll be, I, I still think he's going to be fine in the long run. And I mean, honestly, even if he isn't, like there's there's like three or four other guys that are yeah. either going to be at start of the year at AAA or AA that I think will establish themselves in the major leagues by the end of the year. And again, I don't want to go, well, this will be a future conversation for when we don't have anything else to talk about. Once once we've settled into the you know mid-May malaise of the regular season where it's like, well, you know, we, we can still talk about, well, boy, that, that O'Neill Cruz, he's sure hitting a bunch of dingers. You know, like, we're going to get tired of talking about his home runs, and we'll just, you know, revert to talking about the bullpen, you know, for our, our second week of May episode. So, uh, just real quick, um, I'd like to kind of take a dump on the Reds here. Uh, sure. You know, everybody always complains about the Pirates 
cheap owner, which uh, they definitely have one of those. But my God, what are the Reds? What are the Reds doing? Um, I mean, they they've had a very erratic past five or six years. I mean, they've really tried to. Mm -hmm. They went all in during the Sunny Gray era. Uh, bought mm -hmm. bought a couple other people like that, and then they had just an epic fire sale last year. Uh, this roster, if you look at it on Fangraphs, does not have a single player or pitcher, uh, aside from, I believe, just Nick Lodolo, to have over three war on the season. Whereas the Pirate, the Pirates are not exactly, you know, murderer's row over here, 1927 Yankees, but they at least have three people projected for three wins or above. Um, I don't know. And, and you look at this team, they have one of the best, if not the best, prospects in all of baseball at Ellie De La Cruz. And he's going to be a, looks like a pretty dominant shortstop. But they just don't have a lot of other stuff floating around that you're like, okay, now it's going to be coming in waves. Whereas I kind of get that feeling with, with the Pirates that they're on the cusp of something. And it feels like if it's going to happen for the Reds, it's going to be like three years from now. I yeah, just... and I mean, I think they're really just starting their, I think they're just starting their rebuild, you know, now, relatively speaking. Like, I think they're where the Pirates were about two years ago. I think they have some stuff that's at the major league level that, or close to it, that is going to be pretty darn good. Like, I think Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are going to be sick at the top of their rotation. I, I think they're both going to be really, really good pitchers for the Reds for a really long time. Um yeah, but I mean, I, I agree with you, though, too. Like, I mean, I feel like I look at the rest of their system and I kind of see a bunch of guys that their best value is at shortstop. You know, if you move them off the position, they're just not nearly as exciting. Um, you know, it's 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 you know, they're 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 glove guys. You know, you, you move some of their their prospects to second and they're just not nearly as they're, they're not nearly the hotness that they were before, you know. I just have a feeling that Hunter Green, who he just feels like a guy that's just never gonna, a hundred percent put it together for me. Um, I, 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 obviously the arm is, is there, but he just feels like a guy that just, the fastball may just be too straight. Uh, health is already kind of come into play a little bit for him. Mm -hmm. uh, he feels like a guy that's gonna be their next generation. Jose Castillo that they're eventually going to trade uh, just because they just don't think it's going to come to the time of his control and they just don't think they're going to be ready to contend in order to extend him a contract. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's only 23 this year. I, 23. Yeah, but he just he just does not feel like a guy that's going to 100% put it all together. Um, I, I like how he located the fastball. Um, I like it, when he was able to work ahead, he was dominant, but when he wasn't later in the game, he really kind of fizzled. So I, I can see what you're saying for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else that you want to discuss in the basque of this, uh, glowing opening day win? I don't know. I mean, I think small balls back, you know, it just seems like, yeah. uh, yeah. seems like the, I, I don't know if the pirates are going to quite be there to like pull it off, but my goodness, I mean, Jiwon Bay and I mean, maybe Connor Joe are two really good pieces, I think, uh, to play that way. But, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season though. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, 
you know, hopefully they, uh, I do think that they legitimately looked pretty good today. Um, one thing that I want to note, they got, they had nine walks today. They didn't, they didn't generate nine walks. Um, or I mean, they, it took them the whole first series of, of, uh, uh, the first full opening series last year against the Cardinals to, to get nine walks. So they had, wow. I think they had not eight by the eighth inning today. So, I mean, they, you know, that that was pretty good. I mean, for a team that was a hot mess at just getting on base last year, um, they did seem to set the table. They had some pretty good. They had a, they had a good volume of opportunities today. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's some there's definitely some positives to take out of it. So hopefully, I don't uh, lay an egg on Saturday and make this all look really bad. But such is the nature of having 162 unique events to challenge yourself. So we'll just uh, give us something else to talk about on uh, on next week's podcast yeah, if yeah. we do lay an egg, you know. So it'll be uh, we'll go back to the doom and gloom. I'll be like my seventy three wins are looking pretty good this week, guys. Uh, I'm gonna downgrade it to sixty three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going that low. So um, well, um, one other cool thing: the uh, minor league season starts tomorrow. So the uh, Triple A uh, is opening across the country um, on on the thirty first. I guess I shouldn't say uh, tomorrow. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday, but um, this will probably get released tomorrow morning anyway. Um, but I'm kind of excited. I mean, I, w- I I I wasn't expecting it. It's usually of that one like first week lull um, between the minor league season starting and and the most of the minor league teams, you know. Um, are going to follow suit, but triple A is getting started right away. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to, there's going to be a lot of people with one eye on Indianapolis this year. That's for sure. There's, um, it's been a long time since there's been this much of a concentration of talent, uh, across the indie roster. Um, you got guys, at least two guys, if not more in the rotation. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for Cody Bolton, and he's purely a reliever now. Uh, you mm-hmm. got you got Proguero at shortstop. I think he's kind of becoming the forgotten man. Uh, of course, Andy Rodriguez is is going to get a lot of attention. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to be interested about. I think on this team. Yeah, one thing that I noticed, I, I don't know how, uh, how how much of an indicator this is to who's actually going to be on the Indianapolis roster, but. The um, on MLB.com or MILB.com, the current AAA roster, no promotions, no promotions from AA whatsoever. Everybody that is there was there at the end of last season, hmm. um, which I think is kind of wild, but also like speaks to kind of the depth that is accumulating at the top of the system. It's so, like no Nick Gonzalez, you know, some of the relief pitchers, um, Kyle Nicholas, uh, Carmen Mladzinski. None of them, none of them are showing up on the uh, on the, the the Indianapolis Indians roster. I mean, that could be completely wrong, and maybe it'll update tomorrow. But um, as of right now, there's it's it looks pretty static. I mean, all of the like garbage dump offs from uh, from spring training, they're all showing up on the roster. So it looks like it's been updating, but they haven't updated anybody coming up yet. So. Um, so we're starting to see a log jam. You know, some of that some of that log jam is is complete garbage, but some of it is uh is just good depth at this point. Yeah. 
Yep. Well, it's going to be uh, fun to watch them too. So this is probably a good time for us to part company and um, sure. say thank you again to all of our listeners. And we appreciate you guys tuning in to this dumb little podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Thank you.